The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We are off to the southern copper gold belt of Ecuador today, where Titan Minerals is positioned for its shot at the big time at its flagship dynasty gold project, its emerging Copper Duke project, and its Linderos project. Now, we have uh, had Titan on the podcast previously, where we covered off on the history that led the company into the Ecuadorian projects and the corporate things that needed to be done to get to the nice and clean focus the company now has in the country. So we won't dwell on the past. We'll look to the future and the work Titan has been doing at Dynasty, which has a foreign resource estimate of 2.1 million ounces of high-grade gold and 16.8 million ounces of silver. We will get an update on the progress of the company's maiden drilling program there, which is due to result in an updated and jaw-compliant resource in the not-too-distant future. We'll also be getting an update on the big-time potential of the gold copper down at Iron Duke and what is happening across at Linderos, about 20 kilometres south of Dynasty. Just a reminder, the company trades under the code TTM or Tango Tango Mike. It last traded at 11 cents for a market cap of about $133 million. Titan's Managing Director, Laurie Marslin, joins us today. G'day, Laurie. G'day, Barry. Welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk a bit about Titan. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Thank you. Now, I, I mentioned the uh, drilling program at Dynasty where you are targeting vein clusters at the uh, Cerro Verde Prospect, which sits along a nine-kilometre corridor. Uh, it's necessarily uh, confirming in nature. So I was just wondering what you can tell about progress there to date and just explain to uh, the listeners uh, the reason for it uh, being conf- uh, confirming in nature. Uh, yeah, the, um, the the project has a, a foreign resource of 2.2 million ounces at uh, four and a half grams gold, which was done back in the day uh, when the other management had control of the project at the beginning of uh the, the company's evolution. What we're doing is we're going in and we're re-drilling um, the work that they, they've they done. What we need to do to convert the resource from an, a foreign resource or a polygonal estimate, as it was, into a jork estimate is we need to increase the data density. So our work is to go back and drill all the work that they did again, uh, did before, adding adding drill holes, adding trenches at surface to extend the data. And then that way we can comply with the JORC standard by having sufficient data density at surface and depth so that it can be re-estimated in accordance to JORC standards. Uh, so we've gone through and we're, we're now at Cerro Verde, but we've drilled, the, the resource is broken up into four main areas and we've drilled the other three areas. Now we're finalising at uh, Cerro Verde. And by the end of this program, we will have uh, put in 20,000 plus metres of additional drilling, which uh, added to the previous 27,000 metres makes a, a fairly decent um, data set to be able to jork the resource. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got assay lab delays in Australia. What's it like over there? Look, it's been it's been pretty, um, pretty trying at times. Uh, there's been a 
a lot of delays in, in getting assays done and turn around. Uh, we've had to use a few different strategies to manage that. We've, we, we do all our um, sample preparation in country uh, at a lab there, but we've been distributing assays in Peru. We've sent some to Canada and we, we're even trying Ireland to try and shorten the, wow. the, the timing. Yeah. But at um, the moment, we're doing okay. Now, I think the schedule I've seen the company refer to in the past, a resource update in the December quarter, that's still the case, you think? Yeah, uh, Mining Plus out of Perth is doing the work. Um, they're, they're undertaking that at the moment. Um, they visited the project at the beginning of last year. Uh, they're uh, due to produce a resource at the end of November. Uh, so, yeah, the, the resource will be out in, in Q4 for sure. I appreciate it's uh, confirming in nature, but I was wondering wondering if uh, on your way through you've uh, slipped in the odd step-out hole or have you noticed any upside emerging from uh, density uh, vein sets you've been encountering? Yeah, the uh, we published uh, some results recently at Cerro Verde and we've got about another, well, we, we, at the time we still had uh, about 32, three holes that were still in the lab and we've added to that recently. But what we're seeing at Cerro Verde is we're finding we're getting increased vein density, which is what we, we were sort of expecting uh, based upon the work that had previously been done. We've also managed to extend some of the mineralised zones um, uh, on strike up to 160 metres in some cases. We, we reported middle of last year noticing in some of the um, production drill holes that we reassayed that the veins that were included in the previous model were were wider, sometimes three to five times wider um, at depth and at surface, and that we found instances of that again, and we've got some that have slightly increased in grade. But um, we haven't. Uh, we did some exploration holes up around Papio when we were having um, a bit of delay of access up there, but other than that, it's been a confirmatory program. But we have done two deep holes um, at Cerro Verde, one which has been released uh, recently and what we found there is we pushed it through to about 630 metres and we, we were trying to test one of the vein sets and we found those vein sets and then we kept going we kept intersecting uh, interesting uh, geology and more veins and we, we struck the last set of veins at about six, just, just under 600 metres and we terminated the hole at about 620 or 630. The interesting thing about it is the, the vein sets we struck as we went through the areas we were testing, uh, after where we were testing that we knew we would probably find veins, we found a lot more uh, veining and um, considerable amount of low-grade mineralisation. None of that has been uh, mapped at surface because it will project up into areas that there's been no exploration. So, look, it's an early it's early days, but the, the geology is really delivering from my perspective and we're very excited about just how big this thing can get. Now, uh, the resource updates are coming in December quarter. I was just wondering, is, is it at that point you start scoping out a potential development? There's, there's two parts to it. First, um, we need to go back and let's call it do the infill exploration. There's very limited work on this on this project. There's been no, um, this project hasn't been expanded other than small-scale mining work that was done by CORE. There's been no uh, attempt to expand this resource since its uh, initial drilling back in 2012. So we will be going back and let's call doing infill exploration to, to build the resource. After the resource is put out, we will be leaving four rigs at the property. Uh, so there will be drilling through uh, next year. And our plan is to try and move the resource to closer to the 3 million ounce level, at which point in time we'd like to um, do a PEA. Uh, 
Next year, we plan to be doing uh, metallurgical test work, some of the basic work on uh, power, water, um, tailings, dam sites, all the all the sort of the basic information we need to generate to to put into a PEA, which you know we'd like to sort of complete. Uh, sometime at the end of next year in the first half of the following year. So, yeah, we'll be doing, we'll be adding to the exploration plus doing work on a, on a notional PEA uh, in parallel. Sounds like you're on your way to that uh, critical mass required for development. I was just wondering what, uh, in that part of the world, what's uh, supporting infrastructure like for a potential development? Yeah, it, it's an important aspect and my background's uh, project development and, and implementation. So uh, when I go and look at a project, what I'm doing, even before I think about the geology, uh, which is not my strong suit, um, I'm thinking about, okay, how do I build this thing? Where, where does what go? Uh, the great thing about the Dynasty project is that it's a fairly sparsely populated area. In general, we have good community support. It has mining history in the region. Uh, it's on the on the rain shadow. It's in the rain shadow of the coastal range, so it's not a very wet place. Uh, there's no Amazonian jungle. There's no indigenous um, communities issues. Uh, we have the Pan American Highway, which runs down within 10 kilometres of it. We've got regional highways. We've got two uh, local, uh, two internal airports within two hours drive of the of the site, and we have uh, an international airport at Guayaquil and an international port at Guayaquil, which is five hours away from the project. Uh, there's regional power in the in the region, which can be run in at a reasonable cost, and we have access to a good water supply within ten kilometres of the mine site. So, um, look, I'm. I'm I think as a project implementation exercise, you know, all, all projects have their idiosyncrasies, but it's generally well positioned to to uh, be developed, in my opinion. Mm. And the the power source is that hydro in that part of the world? Yeah, um, a large part of the, the the power in that region is hydro, um, so it's a re- relatively inexpensive power. Um, so yeah, it's 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 well positioned from that perspective, and you know, running running high tension power over reasonable distances is is not a cost prohibitive thing. And uh, Laurie, as you probably well know, ESG is all important nowadays. I'm seeing increasing references to the carbon intensity per ounce of gold produced. If you've got hydro power, you're uh, you'll probably start out uh, pretty low on the scale there, which would be attractive to investors who uh, increasingly, it seems, are concerned about these things. Yeah, it's an issue that's be- become important to a lot of a lot of people, and you know, there's funds dedicated to investing on that basis. Um, personally, my I, I think the environmental and social aspects of of any project are probably more important in in some degrees than the geology, or as important. Uh, I regard social license as the key issue in in project development. You know, I've had a lot of experience with it in Eastern Europe, and. Um, you know, people are people. Issues are issues everywhere in the world. You know, if you if you're dealing with communities, I was saying to our guys uh, recently on a visit down there. I was down there for a month, and I said, you know, um, when you're talking to the community, uh, treat treat everybody like it's your grandmother, grandmother, you're a grandfather, and I and I hope you love both of them. So, um, <laughs> you know, you you you've got to bring the community along, and you've got to be environmentally sensitive. I mean, you know, there's a lot of criticism of the industry over environment, which I think's ill-founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last 20, 30 years, I think the industry's gone a long way to meeting the initial objectives of the environmental lobby groups. And, and I think uh, any any mining company who um, isn't paying attention to that is disregarding what the message is. And I, I don't know of any proper mining group that doesn't do what they're supposed to do or tries to do a lot better. Now, um, Copper Duke, what's, uh, what's the story there at the moment? Uh, Copper Duke is... Um, 
out of all the assets we own, we think Copper Duke's the best. Um, we think it's got the most potential. It's it's an asset that's pretty well understood by the North American market. Um, it's a it's a multi phase copper gold porphyry system. It's an extremely large altered footprint. Uh, the the geophysics signature of it is extremely interesting, and and there's been similarities drawn between it and Sericasali in Chile, which is uh, a large uh, copper-gold porphyry system. Uh, these comparisons are made in the geophysics circles. We've mm. done a lot of surface work on it. Um, we've still got a few months of work to complete that. Uh, we've already identified drill targets that we would like to drill, but we want to, uh, we want to complete the surface exploration program so that we can make uh, intelligence decisions about where we place holes and try and, you know, do the best thing we can in the first shot. Uh, we're currently planning to drill it in July of next year. Um, the, the, the rainy season finishes in April in, in Ecuador. Not that it's a massive rainy season, but the, the rain does stop in April and we'll be putting some roads into that area to get access. And uh, we plan to do the initial drilling next year. Um, look, it, it, on the surface at Copper Duke, you get lots of instances of high-grade copper and gold. Um, the the alteration footprint at um, in the area we're focused on now is as big as any alteration footprint of any tier one copper project in the world. It, it is truly a massive system, and we're only looking at part of the concession. And there's other geophysics anomalies on the property that you know have yet to be followed up. It, it's a very exciting opportunity. Well, uh, Australian investors will be well aware of the. Uh the big uh, Cascabel uh, porphyry discovery up in uh, the north by uh, the London-listed Soul Gold, which now has BHP and Newcrest on their register and uh, wouldn't be too far from you. Uh, Sunstone have uh, had some interesting uh, porphyry work. Yeah, Sunstone's Bromadero licence butts up to the northeast corner of Dynasty, uh, but their recent work's on another property further north in the country. Mm. Um, the, the important thing is that, that um, Copper Duke, Linderost and Dynasty are all in the Miocene belt, which runs up. Uh, through the country which these other projects are in. Uh, the Miocene in South America is where the majority of the very large copper gold porphyry systems are found. Uh, so the, the, the geology through Ecuador is, is amazingly, it's going to be a prolific mineral uh, mineral project or minerals project co uh, country. The, it, it's very underexplored. Um, it's it's just an amazing opportunity for juniors and, and, and senior companies and a lot of people have been paying attention to it. I think um, the work that Solgold did in sort of getting it on the map in the Australian market is is is, is really great and we're, so everybody's, you know, riding on the back of that. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of discoveries made in Ecuador, in our opinion. Well, it is part of that Andean uh, copper gold belt, which uh, in Chile, uh, of course, uh, because there's no trees there, people were onto it a lot earlier, whereas Ecuador's got a few more trees, so it just takes a bit more work to uh, uncover. Yes, the um, ground cover on the eastern side of the country is obviously <laughs> quite quite difficult, uh, but, you know, with a lot of the, the uh, airborne techniques uh, these days, you can see through some of that cover, and there's a, lot, there's a number of companies in country doing some really interesting work on that. Um, but the, the part of the country we're in is, is not as sparse 
sparsely veg it's not heavily vegetated and uh, mm. we're operating at an altitude of about 1200 meters and in, in fairly uh, hilly country but it, you know there's nothing that we can't sort of get into at the moment which is which is a positive thing for the explorationists now uh linderos um you've done some nice historical uh, pull together of data there and i think you've actually outlined a plan of activity for the next six months or so what's the story there Yes, Linderos, uh, when I first looked at that three years ago, um, the, the core goal team was um, highlighting the goal potential of it, which is significant. Um, but it's actually got a goal project, a uh, um, high sulfidation epithermal system resting up against uh, a porphyry. And when the project was originally picked up by the founding company, Dynasty Mining and Metals, they actually put five holes into a porphyry there. They'd done some surface geophysics and uh, were drilling holes. Um What's interesting is the the holes they drilled were relatively flat, forty five degrees, and uh, not very deep. And uh, as th- I think three of the uh, the five holes they drilled ended in uh, copper grades of 0.3.4 and the grades were increasing down the hole. So in the last six months, we've gone back and looked at all that information and done a lot of surface work, and we've outlined uh, a porphyry system that um, is, you know, about a kilometre in diameter at the moment, and the alteration at surface is uh, extremely interesting. Uh, You're seeing all the things that geologists want to see in a porphyry system. So we're going to do some airborne geophysics uh, on it over the next uh, 60 to 120 days. Uh, We'll probably fly that in October. And then we're going to start a drill program on it in the last part of this year. And we're doing an initial uh, three to 5,000 metre program. So we're pl- planning to drill some six to 700 metre holes on it. Um, it's, it, you know, our technical people speak very highly of the opportunity relative to other things they've seen. But, you know, as we all, all you know, the drill bit's going to tell the story. Um, with respect to the gold opportunity, there's some ext- what we have there is there's an area that we've identified as a, a silica cap, highly altered. Um, it's it's overlain by a perch-alluvial terrace, and un- there's been some um, stockworks that have been exposed on the side of that, and we've uh, they've been channel sampled, and the grades are extremely extremely high. Um, there's been drill holes put through it and, you know, the initial drill program that CORE did and they identi- identified some very, very uh, good results in high-grade veining. There's also epithermal uh, veins that run at, uh, along surface over distances of up to a kilometre and a half that we've identified so far that express very good gold grade. So uh, the area is in a, next to a, a town called Macra and around that area there's four or five uh, high-grade gold, gold mines uh, mining the epithermals that are run by locals. So a lot of potential. Uh, it's advanced exploration, and we're, we're looking to um, drill the porphyry and some of the, the gold systems before the end of this year. So, again, it, it's a very, very interesting opportunity. You've got a lot on the go. So it brings me to the question of uh, the cash situation. Uh, I note that there was a $15 million state deal by the company for the sale of uh, the Zaruma mine and a processing plant. So that presumably factors into your forward uh, Financing needs. Yeah, we've uh, we're, we're currently funded for the for the current program. Um, we've been paid a series of payments, so we've received half of the uh, co- half of the 
price of the rumour, but we receive another two and a half uh, December one, then March one, then June one next year. So it's a sequence of payments over the first uh, six, uh, to the balance of this year and over the first six months of next year. Uh, so um, obviously, exploration companies don't generate cash flow. So it's our responsibility over time to make sure that the, the company's properly capitalised. So we'll make sure that happens. But at the moment, um, the, the, exist, the current program intensity is funded. And obviously, results-driven uh, financing can, is always results-driven. So uh, hopefully, you come up with the, this drilling you've got underway. We'll come up with something uh, that gets the market uh, on board. Yeah, Barry, we've got um, a whole a lot of holes that are in in the lab at the moment, and we'll be issuing assay results over on a fairly frequent period over the next uh, you know six weeks. So there will yep. be more news coming. Uh, just on the uh, corporate front, I see you've got a couple of industry, uh, well, WA industry veteran uh, Peter Cook on board as chairman now, and you secured the service, services of veteran geologist uh, Michael Skeed as uh, VP of Exploration. For those who might not know those guys, tell us about them and what focus they're bringing to the company. Both those guys are, are, are fabulous people in terms of you know how they think about the industry and, and what they've done in the past is uh, you know, is, is, is top shelf there. They're, in my view, they're exceptional people. Uh, Peter Cook is well known in the industry. Um, he says it how it is. He's a great geologist. He, he's been an investor in Titan for some time. Um, feel very, very uh, grateful and, and that he was prepared to take on the role as chairman. Uh, Michael did a good job for the period he was there, but it was always planned that he would step back. Uh, which he did, and Peter took the job. Um, he's in, you know, you can get the words from his mouth. I won't put them in him, but what he sees in the in the assets is, is the sheer size of these systems. Um, you know, Ecuador's elephant country, and and we're fortunate enough to have, you know, four or five projects that are extremely mm-hmm. um, in positive potentially large projects. So he's there because he loves the geology. Uh, He's very supportive and his network into the financial system will obviously support us greatly, uh, plus his geologic knowledge. Um, Mike Skeed is is a geologist geologist. He's an extremely experienced, uh, very, very detailed technical guy. Uh, He's had some great commercial success recently. He was part of the team uh, that sold GT Gold to Newmont for roughly 400 million Canadian dollars earlier this mm-hmm. year. He put together their project in Vancouver, in British Columbia, a big copper gold porphyry. Uh, he's worked for uh, he's worked for um, Rangold, Barrick, um, Gold Corp. Uh, he's really an industry veteran, and and I've got a pretty good network in in North America. And when I was looking to uh, add somebody to the team, his name came up, and uh, you know. Now that he's joined, uh, I think he'll add the bench strength to take it to the next level. He will be based in um, in Salika in Ecuador. He'll be living down there and taking responsibility on for the uh, management of, of company-wide exploration. I'm really very excited to have both those guys join the company. I think it's uh, put another dimension to our, uh, to our abilities to get things done. And we all look forward to uh, Cookie's first... Uh, ad- Shareholders address as chairman. He's always very entertaining too. Yeah, he's got he's got a great way about him, and I, and I think um, you know people trust him. He says it how it is, um, and I, I really uh, I'm really looking forward to working with him. Okay, folks, there we go. The company uh, working on uh, getting uh, not far off bringing out that resource upgrade at Dynasty, which is just the start of the story, of course, and then exciting drilling programs to watch out for down at Copper Duke and uh, Linderos uh, for big-time uh, copper gold porphyry potential and uh, high-grade epithermal gold at uh, Linderos as part of the package. So lots to look out for. 
four there. Um, so, Laurie, thanks for your time today. You've given us a great rundown at all and best luck with it all. Thanks, Barry. Really appreciate the opportunity. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.